0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the best thing that ever happened in this universe and, dare I say, the afterlife. I don't usually talk about the afterlife, but today, have you noticed that there's something missing in the news? about Ukraine, I'll tell you about that, and then we'll do the simultaneous sip, the holiest that there's ever been. Yes, I've noticed that a lot of people have been talking about Ukraine and, and Russia and the possibility of war, but we have not heard from the Pope. Now, the Pope was not available, but I know how he thinks. And so I thought I would uh, give you the official Pope opinion on the possibility of war in Ukraine. Give me a moment. Let me concentrate. Want to receive the signal clearly. Religious signal coming in. Uh, got it. The Pope would have you know that he is opposed to war. And I think you're glad you waited for that. So when it comes to the Pope, no war. Doesn't like it one bit. Not one bit. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the religious opinion on the war. And I don't think that has been given enough attention, so I, I thought I'd help. Do I look better with the hat? Is it my imagination or <laughs> is it my imagination or did I get uglier when I took the hat off? Is it just me? <laughs> I think that actually happened. I think that's <laughs> yes. I think we, I think we found something we could all agree on. <laughs> I look better with a hat because, you know, I think I would look better with a hat and a mask. Because a lot of the pandemic, my my ugliness was completely covered. So I'd, I'd have sunglasses on, and then I'd have a mask, and then I'd wear a baseball hat. So basically, basically the only parts of my my entire body that were showing on the colder days were my hands, unless I had gloves on. Or my hands, and this little little strip of skin right here, which, by the way, looks pretty good on me. Best part of my body, and this was just pure luck, pure luck. The best part of my entire body is this narrow strip just above where my mask line would be and below my sunglasses. I don't like to brag, <laughs> but honestly, I've got one of the best over-mask, under-sunglasses Area of a body I've ever seen. I do work on it. Moisturizer, stay out of the sun. A lot of people don't put the work in, but I do. How would you like the simultaneous sip? And all you need is a cupper mug mugger, a lasso tanker, chalice, a stein, a canteen, jug of flask, a vessel of the kind. Fill it with your favorite beverage. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure that dopamine of the other day, the thing that makes Absolutely everything better. It's called what? What? What is it called? That's right. The simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. I don't know. Something happened. Hold on a second. I hate it when this happens. I accidentally turned my coffee into wine. That, you think you've got things under control? Okay, I stole that joke from somebody on the Locals platform. I saw your comments on Locals, and I did steal your joke. But they didn't see it, they didn't see it on YouTube. So for a moment there, they thought I had a pretty good pretty good joke. <laughs> Until I had to admit it wasn't mine. Well, uh, let's do a little update on freedom. Uh, I was out and about yesterday and day before looking at uh, how many people have taken off their masks now that the California mandate has been dropped. So if you're in a store or shopping or whatever, you do not require a mask. Um, Where I live, about 80% of people are still masked. That's right. My state was offered its freedom, and 80% of the residents said, well, thank you, but no thank you. I would rather stay in my little mask cage, including outdoors. Now, I'm not positive this is true, but I think the outdoor masking is at an all-time high. This is after the mask mandate is completely eliminated outdoor masking. I've never seen higher outdoor masking than right now. Now, I had actually talked to some people who shall remain anonymous who actually said they kind of liked the mask era <laughs> for a variety of reasons. They liked them. There are people who like the masks. Apparently, you can get used to anything. I wasn't one of them. but So I didn't see that coming. And I was, uh, did a little tweet today to ask what mandates are still in effect in the United States. So here, here are the ones I know about. We'll see if these get mopped up. I hope they do. So, the remaining mandates are let's see, New York City, you still need vaccination passports to go in a restaurant. That's still true, right? Give me a fact check as I go and, and add some ones if you know. I believe healthcare workers, including everybody the janitors, the receptionists, everybody in healthcare, are still under mandatory vaccinations. That's true, right? Uh, Still need masks on public transport and for flying in in particular. I guess just in public transport. Uh, Still need masks in some places like uh, students are doing it in a lot of schools. Washington State, Massachusetts, uh, California, Hawaii. Still got some masks. Uh, Federal buildings masks and cruise ships, which I guess is a form of public transport. So those are the... Do, what ones did I miss? Has the has the uh, passport? Where else is the vaccine passport um, in effect? Flying. So here, so here's a sort of a checkpoint. Does it look like if you were just to judge the pandemic in terms of freedoms given up? compared to other countries. Just freedoms given up. Are we doing okay? I mean, is the United States, are we doing well enough to claw back our freedoms? Because we have some. You know, in Canada, I know some of the provinces gave up on some of their mandates. But we're not really, we're not close to the end point. And we're not close. But I do think we're going to get away without vaccine passports. What do you think? Do you think at this point, what, what is your current prediction about USA and vaccine passports? I, I feel like we're going to not have them. Am I wrong? Because if we don't have them yet, it feels like this wouldn't be the time to implement them. I don't think public would, would accept it now. Yeah. So I would say um, I'm going to give America a C+. Plus in regaining freedoms. W- would you agree? I'll give us a C C+, like lots of work to do, but it's not as bad as it could have been. I mean, it could have been worse, I suppose. But we're not close. we got to keep clawing. Um, have you noticed that the entire retail part of at least America, I don't know if this is happening anywhere else, has turned to garbage? I As I tweeted yesterday, I went into six retail establishments and walked down of each one because buying something was too hard. (laughs) Here's what happened, And, and I don't know if anybody has noticed this trend yet. If you make it possible to buy almost everything online, who is remaining to stand in line at an actual retail store? Now, in the short run, it's everybody, Right. In the short run, you buy some stuff online, but sometimes you go to stores. Over time, more and more people will move to online only, and then the pandemic hits, and more and more online there. So who's left? Well, let me tell you who's left. (laughs) It's all the people who have a frickin' problem, right? You know how bad it is to get behind the the elderly person who's writing a check at the grocery store? Like, you don't want to be in that line. Now imagine that because all of the efficient people have already moved completely online, the people in line are only the people writing a check in the grocery store and people like that. Now, add to the fact that the only people in line are the people with problems. On top of that, on top of that, the stores are asking for more stuff. Now they want your phone number, They've got to find out if you've got a coupon. Is the coupon good? Are you part of the loyalty program? If you don't have your card, can you plug it in? Do you want to donate something? Yeah, you've got four ways to pay, and you sometimes ID, sometimes not. So I stood in line, and, I, and nobody could get helped because everybody who was in line had, like, a story, <laughs> And not only did the person in line have a story, but then the retail worker had their own story, like data they had to collect and explaining why they're doing things. And I thought to myself, I don't think I'll ever go into a retail establishment again. Because what? Whatever good or bad they used to be, they've just turned to garbage. (laughs) You you can never buy your size. Am I right? Go into a store and find your size in anything, basically. can't. Um, how many of you have stood in line long enough that you took out your phone, you scanned the barcode on the thing in your hand, and you ordered it from Amazon, and then you got it in line and put it back on the shelf? How many have done that? I'm not the only one. I saw somebody commented on Twitter. Yeah, a lot of you. Because the, the, the process of in-store has gotten worse and worse as they make you do more work just to pay, buy something. I don't know. I think retail is in big trouble, even more than you know, we obviously have known for a long time. Here's a little tip for you if you're trying to figure out what trade to get into. Uh, Lisa De Pascal, who was commenting on my comment about retail, and she said, uh, it's awful in this economy. Why am I spending so much time begging to pay people? Have you had this experience? You, you call somebody for some kind of a service, just something that needs to be repaired or serviced or something, you can't get anybody to show up. People will say, well, maybe in two weeks. Yeah, right? So if you are going to pick a field to enter, find out who you can't hire now. If you can't get, um, I'll give you one example. All right. Um, I, I'm going to give you a, Trade tip. That's a pretty good one. You ready for this? Fireplace repair person. Because a lot of fireplaces are gas-operated. Fireplace repair person. It looks like the easiest job in the world because there are only like three elements to the, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, not too many manufacturers. So try to, try to book one. You think you can get one same day? Nope. Nope. You can't. So if you wanted to enter a trade, find out who can't show up and take your money. Because there are people begging to give people money, and they can't find anybody to take it. We, we have a whole country of people who have more money than they have services that they can buy. They, they want to buy stuff. They can't find anybody to do it. So that's a thing. We'll talk about it in Ukraine, of course. It uh, turns out that cow manure is, is now economical as a major energy source. So uh, dairy farmers are being approached by energy companies that turn manure into methane, I guess, and then into energy. And they figured out the economics to the point where I'm not entirely sure about this, but I think the cow shit might be more uh, worth more than the milk. I don't know that that's true, but are we going to get to a point? Where cow shit is more valuable than the milk that comes out of the same cow, and if we're turning cow shit into electricity, um, doesn't that mean that we're turning basically everything green into electricity? We're, we're basically we're going to have to mow down forests, and the cows are going to be trampling all over the grass, eating it, and turning that into electricity. Is that really efficient? I feel like I feel like there might be a better way to get your electricity. Uh, but anyway, that's the that's thing that's happening. We reached the crossover point for profitability. And, of course, you ask yourself, why do you need cows? We've got seven people, seven billion people pooping all over the place. How many cows are there? Are there more than seven billion cows? Why don't you capture some people poop? All right. Um, here's, a, here's a reason why nobody can be a good or bad predictor. And this is the weirdest thing, but maybe this was always the case, but it seems especially the case now, that we'll never agree what is going to happen. I think you'd agree with that easily. We never agree what's going to happen, like when we predict. People will predict all over the place. But the weirdest part, that might be new, but I guess you'd have to ask a historian, we can no longer agree on what did happen. (laughs) That feels like it's new. It's new. So if you're in the business of predicting things, as I sort of am, you can't even know if you were right. Because I can think I was right, and other people will say, well, look at the facts, you were clearly wrong. So you can't even know if you can predict right, because there will be no agreement on what is. Here's a perfect example. I predicted that Russia would not invade Ukraine. Did they? (laughs) I don't know. Because it turns out that they did move troops into an area where they already had troops and already controlled the two separatist regions that were already under complete Russian control, apparently. So if they moved troops into a place they already had troops, into a region that was really not under control of Ukraine anyway, it was already Russian, did they invade? So was my prediction already wrong? So I asked a poll, because I had no idea how people would see this. Uh, 50% of the people who answered my Twitter poll, which is, of course, not scientific, um, half of them said it's not quite an invasion. Not quite an invasion. But 37% said yes. So 37% of the people in my Twitter poll, and these Raven people would be largely friendly to my point of view, Think I'm wrong, and that the my prediction has already been you know, proven wrong. But 50% of the people said I'm right. So how do I even know if I'm a good predictor? I, I don't think you could just take the majority in this case. I mean you can see that it's so clear that people don't even agree on literal reality at this point. Because you can just word think it away. Oh, it's part of Ukraine. Oh, it's not, and you both have a good argument. But Uh, Yesterday Zelensky himself said, quote, with today's and possibly tomorrow's decisions, Russia is legalizing its troops, which have actually been in the occupied territories of Donbass since 2014. It seems to me that the president of Ukraine does not believe that Ukraine has been invaded. I mean, at least not this week, already invaded, I guess. So... If the president of Ukraine thinks I'm right, so far, so far, it's not looking like I'm going to be right. It does look like Putin's, you know, poised to do more. But at the moment, am I right or am I wrong? In the in the comments, you tell me. At the moment, has Ukraine been invaded already this week? I'll just read down some of the answers. Yes, no, wrong, wrong. Um, yeah, it's early in the week, right? Nope, nope, nope. Okay, some we are mixed on that. All right, let's talk about what's happening. Um, I had some curiosity about whether Russian citizens know what's going on in Ukraine. Now, of course, their state-run media is all propaganda. So the state-run media is all misleading if you live in Russia. Would you agree with that? The state-run media is completely misleading to the Russian public. But, don't they have internet access? <laughs> I actually, I wasn't sure until I actually did some Googling to find out what's going on. And, the, and Russia, of course, is doing a variety of things to try to suppress access to information that would be bad for them. But they do things like throttling certain content. Uh, there is, they're not, the internet is still available, right? If you live in Russia, can't you call up CNN webpage in America? There's nothing blocking that, right? Can you give me a fact check on that? Oh, okay, so I'm seeing on locals the very next thing I was going to talk about. Is the fact that Russians, by and large, don't speak English the only reason that they don't know what's going on? Because everything that's in Russian presumably would be pro-Putin. And do we have a problem that if the public in Russia had a better understanding of what was happening, that they would not support their own president? I don't know. Maybe they would anyway. So here's a question. Have you seen anywhere in the news if the Russian uh, public supports Putin so far and everything he's done? How many of you could answer the question, does the Russian public, by a majority, support what Putin is doing right now? Because I've got a feeling they might, right? It seems like probably. Partly because, you know, Putin can control information to some extent. Um, but also maybe because they like it. You, you, can't rule out the, the, you can't rule out the fact that they might just like a strong leader. He's made a reasonable argument that these, you know, Russian-speaking people should be part of the historic republic. And maybe the public likes it. Maybe, if it doesn't cost too much. Um, So Putin also revealed that he asked uh, President Clinton years ago if he could join NATO. Now That's not the first time we've heard that, right? It's the first time for me. I didn't know it. But apparently there was some... Was there any knowledge about that before? I think there might have been. But it wasn't widely known, right? Um, and so for years now, I've been saying that Russia and the United States are natural allies and that the only reason we would be at each other's throats is psychological. Like there's not a, a material reason that we would be enemies. There's just a psychological, maybe historical reasons or whatever. So, or political and I wonder what would have happened if um, if Russia had been considered for NATO, because I thought the whole point of NATO was to deter Russia, or the Soviet Union originally. Am I wrong that the point of NATO was mostly about Russia? <laughs> and what what happens if Russia asked to join the the alliance against Russia? <laughs> Now, I, I get that they would do more than that. They would they would protect more than Russia. But, I don't know, is, is NATO active in anything that would involve China? So I'm a little bit confused about what is the point of NATO if the enemy of NATO asked if he could join NATO. And it also makes me wonder if that was just an incredible master persuader move that it didn't work out. But it but it should have confused the United States, right? If the person that you're trying to protect against asks you to join the organization of people protecting against him, what the hell do you think? <laughs> I mean, how, how do you process that? The, the way you should process it is that NATO doesn't make sense. And if that's what Putin was doing, it was brilliant. I mean, it didn't. Obviously, it didn't end NATO, but it would have been a brilliant play to confuse people about why NATO even exists and put some doubt in everybody's mind about how much to fund it. (laughs) It could have been an incredibly genius move that was always meant to never be successful, but just put that doubt in. In a way, it's very similar to what Trump did with um, Kim in North Korea, because what Trump did was simply act like he was his, his personal friend, which just ruins the whole frame. You know, like every everything historically that made sense instantly didn't make sense, because Trump just changed the frame of reference to uh, "we're two buddies." And by the way, can I help you with your economy? Why why would you give me trouble? We're buddies. Why would you why would you point a nuclear weapon at me? Why would my buddy do that? I mean, I think the way Trump handled North Korea is one of the all-time great things that anybody ever did politically. Honestly, I think it will go down in just one of the great moves of all time. It might not last if somebody else causes trouble with North Korea, but it was great at the time. And I think that Putin played a similar frame-breaking play, maybe not as successfully. He just broke the frame that it's an enemy and an army against the enemy. Hey, can I join the army? It's kind of it's kind of brilliant. But I do think it supports my idea that we are natural allies because if he could even keep a straight face while saying, "Can you put us in NATO?" and he probably did. <laughs> if you can say that with a straight face, it probably means that you you have an argument that we don't really need to be enemies. There's just nothing to be gained from it. All right. Um, one of the worst things about war and the threat of war is that the leaders on both sides can become more popular with war. Isn't that the worst thing ever? You want your leaders to know that if they ever went to war for anything, they would become less popular. But they don't. You know, We have an automatic nationalist instinct in this country and every other country that as soon as something looks like war, the leader's approval goes up. It's almost automatic. And so Biden, being in the the basement of presidential approval, uh, according to Rasmussen, it looks like he's getting a pop. Biden's approval is going up. Do you think he's earned it? So far, just uh, because obviously this is based on Ukraine, do you think he's earned it just on Ukraine? So forget about everything else just for a moment because these polls tend to move with current events. I'm seeing almost all no's. Okay. I see one yes. I'm seeing hell no's. Okay, you're, you seem to be quite unified on no. Are you surprised that his approval is taking up? <laughs> With this many no's, you should think, well, how could his approval be going up? All right, let me give you an argument for Biden. This is going to piss you off. All right? Now, keep in mind, we don't know what happens tomorrow. So I'm only going to talk about what's happened so far. Here's what's happened so far. Uh, Russia has lost the Nord Stream 2 because by moving troops into the two... Um, occupied territories, the separatist territories, that triggered Germany to say, okay, Nord Stream 2 is done. So that's a big economic hit. A number of other sanctions will probably kick in, but not not the worst of them, right? So the minor sanctions might kick in, hurt a little bit around the edges. So, so far, Russia has spent a bunch of money. It has degraded its international reputation. It lost Nord Stream, and um, if it attacks, it's going to get, you know, extra pain. And what is, and what has Russia gained so far? What did it gain? So far, all it gained was the property it already owned, which was the separatist regions. So, so far, so far, Russia broke, broke even on land and is taking a hit, a pretty big hit, to its GDP. Uh, Biden has so far gone cheap. So Biden so far hasn't committed, you know, large funds to military. And he got a huge degradation of uh, an opposing country. So far, Biden is winning. Now, I don't think that's, I, I'm not predicting that will last, Okay. So I'm not not saying that when we're all said and done, I'm going to say, hey, Biden, you handled that just right. That seems unlikely. (laughs) But didn't that piss you off a little bit? It did, didn't it? Because almost every one of you said he's he's doing everything wrong. But so far, he's ahead on score. Am I wrong about that? Am I wrong that so far... He's ahead in points. Doesn't mean he wins the game at all. But so far? Give, give me the argument in, the, in a short comment, can you? I, I get that some of you are disagreeing. I see the disagreement. But get, can you give me the reason he created it by being weak? Mm. World stage loser. It's only the fourth inning. That's true. No, because it's BS. Uh, You take his flaw, and he's weak, and the world will pay. So is, is it his weakness? His weakness, right? But does he look weak? Because he did unify NATO. So if he unified NATO, killed Nord Stream 2, hurt Russia's economy, hurt their standing in the world, he didn't come out ahead so far? Now, our stock market will go down as well. I think Russia went down $40 billion yesterday or this week, he he failed to deter him, but that also only matters if he keeps going, because he's only been undeterred to take what he already owned. Somebody says he didn't unify NATO. All right, so here's, here's another perfect example of what I was just saying. I was just saying that not only do people predict what will happen differently, but once something has happened, we don't even agree what happened. It, it, isn't this another perfect example? And by the way, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. I, I made my best argument for you know, an argument that would say Biden has done a reasonably good job so far. That was my best argument for it. I don't disagree with your argument that, that he's blowing it. I feel like it's a little premature, because as somebody said, it's, this is the fourth inning. You've you got to kind of wait to the end to see who won. So I'm going to wait to the end to see who won. But unlike some of you, uh, I'm, I'm way closer to wait and see than something terrible has happened already. What happens... So here's, here's what I think is one strong possibility. Do you think that Putin could claim victory if all he did was consolidate control over the two separatist regions? Would that be enough... For him to say, yay, I won, got everything I want, I liberated these two separatist regions. I'm a liberator. Can he go home? Can he go home with a win? Maybe. You know, he Maybe he even makes money if the price of fuel goes up. <laughs> the, whatever he can deliver without Nord Stream 2, doesn't he sell it for a higher price if energy prices went up? Maybe will not they won't stay up if he leaves. But have we not created a situation in which by Biden and Zelensky, you could say cleverly, but other people would say weakly, as in being weak. Is it weak or is it clever that Biden and Zelensky have allowed that whatever Putin does with the two separatist regions doesn't seem to count as an invasion? Is it weak or clever? Because one possibility is that it allows Putin um, an easy escape hatch. He can claim victory in, in a fairly credible way. He could claim victory. and And then he'd have a way to back down and still look like the strong leader and still have a, a gain within. And I, I suppose he could still keep pushing on the rest of Ukraine. And then would Biden look like he's a winner? Because he didn't really give them anything they didn't already have. And they lost the Nord Stream too. I don't know. I th- I think there's a situation now where both can be winners, and maybe Zelensky too. You know, Zelensky is still saying that he doesn't think there'll be an invasion of uh, Ukraine proper. I-, I guess I shouldn't say proper. He doesn't think there'll be a, an invasion of whatever's left of Ukraine. And do you think he's lying about that? Do you think Zelensky is just lying and he's trying to keep the public from panicking? Or does he really not think that that Putin will cross the line because maybe the price is too high? Let me ask you this. Remember I said that um, Putin doesn't know what kind of weapons would be thrown against him? Because this should be the first time the most modern, at least American, weaponry gets used in that kind of battle against a sophisticated foe. What happens if Putin goes into battle and gets a a bloody nose? He could. Now, here's something I don't think any of you thought of. All right? We know that the United States has incredible cyber warfare capabilities. We assume so, right? Maybe not, but you you make the assumption that the United States does. There are other countries you'd make that assumption about. Israel. Israel. You would assume they have great cyber warfare capabilities. You think China does? You think Russia does? Great Britain, France, probably. Right. So you can name a number of countries that you're pretty sure have the best cyber warfare capabilities. Now, does the United States sell weapons to Ukraine? Actually, I don't know the answer to that. Do we we sell them weapons directly, or does it go through some kind of middle channel for any reason. We, we do it directly, right? Yeah, I think we... Do we sell it or do we provide them? We sell them, right? So the Stinger missiles and the anti, anti-tank missiles, we sell them. So would you agree with the following statement, we can sell them weapons? Yes, right? There, there's nothing to stop us from selling weapons. Could you... This is going to blow the top of your head off. Wait for this could you sell cyber warfare as a service as a service and here's what i mean by that you say to ukraine and it doesn't have to be the united states it could be an ally it could be israel could israel i'll just well let me not throw israel under the bus they have enough problems <laughs> let me pick let me pick a country elbonia could elbonia a made up country with a, a great cyber warfare capability say to Ukraine, we will sell you the services, but you can't have the IP or the tools. We'll keep the tools, so you can't do this on your own. But as a service, if you you push this button, it will turn off the lights in uh, Moscow. And then the Ukrainians would have to be the ones that push the button, but whatever happens after they push the button goes through the cyber warfare cyber warfare as a service, by the, by the way, those of you who work in technology, when I use, when I use the phrase uh, software as a service, you're familiar with that, uh, this would be cyber warfare as a service. Because you definitely don't want to give your cyber warfare tools to any country that doesn't already have them, right? Not even an ally, probably, I assume. So you can't give your tools away but you could sell, if you can sell a weapon, you could sell cyber warfare as a service. You wouldn't be the one pushing the button. You would just be the one who has a network that that you know, chain of connections went through. Is that illegal? What would, what would stop it from happening? And now let me ask you this. If Ukraine could buy that service, for it would be expensive... But if they could buy that service, what damage could they do to Russia if Russia attacked Ukraine's more more agreed-on territory? Here's the answer. Putin doesn't know. Am I right? Putin doesn't know. And isn't that a pretty big risk? Are you telling me that nobody thought of this? Right. So in, in order for this not to be a real thing already would require that the best uh, cyber warfare strategic thinker in the country is me. Okay, we agree that's not the case? <laughs> right? <laughs> if I thought of it, that, that's all I'm saying. If I thought of it, it's already done. Am I right? And we can't know for sure but if it's if it's obvious enough that the cartoonist thought of it it's got to be an option at least at least it's an option now we don't know if ukraine has access to that kind of power indirectly through a service provider but why wouldn't they why wouldn't they now it could be that that would you know whoever provided the service would then become a target but are you telling me that the people who have cyber warfare capability couldn't hide the tools so that by the time the attack happens, it's just not clear where it came from? I feel like they could. (laughs) So, I don't know, that's something Putin has to worry about. So that would suggest that maybe Putin isn't going to cross a line that would uh, open up Ukraine's whole toolbox of weaponry. Uh, Wheelman is saying naive. Did you see the title to my uh, live stream today? Did everybody read the title to the live stream? I said this would be my misinformed opinion on Ukraine and probably the best ones you hear today. I'm going to stand by both of those statements. (laughs) So you don't need to tell me I'm naive or misinformed. That's the show. That's the show description, misinformed and naive and talking about world events. If that bothers you, good luck finding somebody who's doing a better job. (laughs) The, The problem is that the quality of commentary on this topic is so low that if you think my commentary, which is misinformed and is naive, If you think it's going to be less than the average you're going to see today, well, I'd say pay attention to the average because I think we're going to be in the same ballpark, if you know what I mean. So it's not because I'm awesome. It's because I'm not really competing with an awesome field is what's happening here. Here's a question I have not seen in the news. Do these separatist regions that Russia just moved new troops into, do they want to be part of Russia? And isn't that the most important question today? Now, I know they had a vote, right? They had a vote about being part of Russia. But does a vote mean anything in that part of the world? I wouldn't put any credibility in a vote. I'm seeing mostly yeses, but I don't know if you really know that. Now, Now, I do believe if I googled it, I would have the same opinion. But I don't know if that really means anything. Yeah. Get a map. <laughs> get a map. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I know the, the location is everything in this case. All right. Well, um, do, you want to, do you want to see the United States get involved in any kind of a war in which we don't know if we're fighting for something that anybody wants? Like, would we be fighting for the wrong side if the public actually wanted to be Russian by some majority? I don't know. Um, But the longer the... the, You should just be aware that American news is not telling us if those separatist place want to be Russian. That should be the main thing that they talk about, shouldn't it? Isn't that the main thing that they should be talking about? I don't think you'll see it on any news program today, which tells you that our news is all propaganda. It's funny, when I read about, you know, the fake news in Russia, I no longer think it's worse than the United States. I do think it's completely fake in Russia, but I don't think ours is better. If our news were real, I know this is a provocative, you know, sounds like an overstatement, but if our news were real, the top of the news every day would be about the opinions of the separatist region public. Do they want this or not? And all, all they talk about is the Russian troop movements and, uh, and the sanctions. All the news is focusing on the fight. They're not even focusing on, you know, the people who matter the most, the public <laughs> in those areas. Well, um, we'll see if those sanctions make a difference. I was complaining yesterday that nobody had Estimated the economic cost to Russia of an attack, but apparently there is a group called the uh, analysts that well, they're at Capital Economics, so they are doing some kind of estimates about what will happen to the GDP uh, under various scenarios of uh, of sanctions. But even when the West had more power to sanction, I guess. uh, uh, in 2014, we took 2.5% off the off of Russia's GDP. But now probably Russia's in better shape to withstand sanctions, or at least sanctions of that level. So they might be looking at it maybe a 1% or sub-5% change. So would Putin take a chance for, let's say, temporarily degrading his GDP by 1% to 5% uh, to gain total control over the separatist regions only? Or would that cost, given that he's giving up Nord Stream 2 and he had to know that was going to happen, would he be happy with just getting two separatist regions? Or has he already paid enough that he has to go get the rest? Because he he's sort of paid for it already. I don't know. We'll find out. So um, I guess it was a uh, shooting. Um, Some angry white guy with a gun confronted some people who were uh, organizing, just actually, I think people doing just the traffic control for Antifa and BLM and some protest, and he ended up pulling out a gun and shooting some of them. Now, of course, I don't condone any of that. I condemn all the violence. But the most predictable thing in the world was that if you got rid of the police and you continued to have protests that were, you know, bothering the public, somebody was going to pull a gun. I'm actually surprised there's not more of it. I don't want to see more of it, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more. So you have to give some credit to the uh, Second Amendment people because there is a level of uh, constraint that as horrible as, you know, these events are, it's actually more controlled than I would expect, you know, given the craziness of the general public and the access to to guns. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse is starting some kind of fund to gather money to sue media people who have lied about him and also for other people who get lied about to have a way to sue the media. Hmm might come in handy. <laughs> do, you, do you think I'll have any reasons to sue the media? Uh, how many of the people in the media have called me a uh, right winger? There are a number of people in the, in the major media who have labeled me a right winger. Now, that's the same as calling somebody a white nationalist in 2022. So... If I tried to get a job, and I didn't already have you know, a public profile so you know, I could do this sort of thing, if I had to get a regular job, I couldn't get one. Because somebody would Google me, and it would say he's a, a far-right guy. They would translate it in their head to white nationalist, and I couldn't I could get a job anywhere. Can I sue? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, but it's an interesting question. And it also makes you wonder, uh, why didn't this already exist? Because the press had no accountability. Remember I told you that insurance is the only thing that tells you where things are really going to go? Because eventually everything has to get insured. (laughs) Everything in the business world, anyway. So it doesn't work so much in politics. But within the business world, if there's a business element to it, the insurance companies will decide what you can and can't do because they, they will charge you too much for things that they say are too dangerous. So it's really predictive. And what's going to happen now that uh, there, there would be an organized entity just to sue the media for lying when their business model depends on lying? Because it does. The, the media's business model depends on lying, because it's the lies that get all the clicks. All right? I'm, I mean, they're not going to say it that way. But it's the truth. Um, Is that true? Somebody's saying that the Ukrainian President Zelensky is an economist and a cartoonist? I know he's an actor, a comedic actor, but he's not a cartoonist, is he? And is he an economist? Comedian. Was he an economist? Give me a fact check on that. Economist or no? Who's, who's got a Wikipedia page up? All right, I'll check for that. Anyway, we might be seeing a balance of power happening now. Um, one of the interesting things that people are saying about CNN, uh, legal analysts, is that CNN's got some real problems because of all their uh, s- sexual misconduct cases that are high profile, that if they don't settle them and basically pay out you know, tens of millions, then they're going to have to uh, be subject to, uh, what is it called? Discovery. Meaning that in the course of uh, a lawsuit about something specific, a lot of CNN's dirty laundry could come out. And I don't think they could survive it. (laughs) So CNN might be in a death spiral because they're going to have some big lawsuits from people who worked for CNN and then you're going to have uh, lawsuits coming from Rittenhouse and probably other people that uh, buy into that business model he's, he's building. And I have a feeling that CNN is going to get sued out of existence. And there's nothing they can do about it. Because if they don't settle, or go bankrupt, I guess, if they don't settle, then they're subject to discovery, and that's actually worse, Right. So they have a choice of going out of business by paying off all these lawsuits or going out of business by fighting them. That might be their only two choices. So keep an eye on that. Um, Here's something that uh, progressives and Democrats get wrong every time. It's uh, human motivation, especially when math is involved. Am I right? (laughs) The two things the left always get wrong and by the way, if you're new to me, I identify as left of Bernie. Because I like I like his goals. I just don't like his math and I don't like how he thinks about human motivation. So I like the idea of helping everybody and getting everybody in healthcare. I just don't know how to do it. And I'm not gonna lie and say that you know math is magic and I, I can figure out how to do it in a way the country will accept. It's the country accepting it, part that's the hard part. Um, so, here's something that uh, Democrats got very wrong, and it's so obvious in hindsight it's painful. And it goes like this What they wanted to do, they, Democrats and progressives, wanted to reform the justice system such that the number of black people in America who are sent to prison is gets a little closer to the percentage of black people in the public. Now, in order to do that, unfortunately, just because of the percentages of crime in, in whatever demographic groups, in order to do that, it requires it requires letting people out of jail who are necessarily going to commit more crimes or not putting them in jail in the first place. Am I right? I mean, that, the, that is not in dispute that in order to get some kind of what you would call racial balance, I guess, in jail, it requires letting out a lot of people who will do more crimes. Now, who are those people being let out? Well, specifically, they're trying to get people of color to be less represented in jail, I guess. And so if you're letting out a lot of black known criminals back into the community. Will they commit more crimes? Well, yes, because many of them are career criminals. So a career criminal doesn't do one crime and then stop. (laughs) They do crimes until they get caught. So if you put one criminal uh, in prison, how many victims do you save? Dozens? Hundreds? Depends on the criminal, right? So for every good deed which is not put, let's say, a good deed from the perspective of the left, some people on the left. The good deed would be not putting somebody in prison if you can avoid it. But unfortunately, that requires, because of, why? Math and human motivation. <laughs> the human motivation is, if somebody's a career criminal and they're not in jail, what is their motivation? Do more crimes? Create more victims? Right? And how about the math? The math is that one person that you helped by not putting them in jail created seven people. I'll just pick a number. I'm just making up a number. Created seven victims who are, and this is the the messed up part, almost all black. So if you can save one black person from going to jail, that's great if that one black person then goes on to have a successful life as a productive member of society. And if you could identify just those people, well, that would be kind of awesome. in fact, that's what the Trump administration tried to do by having the the early release. Because if you find somebody who's going to work on, let's say, a, a trade or a skill, you're probably finding somebody who's a good bet relative to a career criminal who's not working on anything else, right? So you should have been able to predict that by trying to help uh, the segment of the world that is mostly black people going to jail, you end up with seven times worse outcomes for black people. And you've taken the pain away from the person who's causing the problem and you spread it to the victims who weren't causing any problem. So how does anybody who is a Republican ever lose an election again? (laughs) Do you know the only thing that could uh, screw up 2022 and 2024 is Trump talking. That's it. Now, when I said that, you said to yourself, ha ha, he thinks Trump will do something dumb that will ruin a good situation. No. No. I mean, that's always a risk. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if he says anything, if Trump even just talks, they will find a way to turn it into the the worst thing in the world, right? So he can't he can't do anything. If Biden proved anything during the last election, he proved that the less we see of the politician, the more we like. I wouldn't have guessed that. But I think if you're already you know, you're already a known quantity. The less they see of you, the better, because it's, otherwise it's just giving you reasons to be attacked. So, uh, Scott has identified peak Trump time. Best to understand this. Don't know what that means. Uh, if he's reelected, he'll have a mandate. He'll he'll always talk to the press. Trump would. All right, and that. Ladies and gentlemen, is my show for today. No doubt the best analysis you've ever seen of the Ukraine situation.